Welcome to the Everyday Sublime Podcast, shedding light on yin yoga and meditation. I'm your host, Josh Summers. I'm a yin yoga and meditation teacher and trainer, and I'm also a licensed acupuncturist. This podcast is intended to be an in-depth exploration of the intersections between yin yoga, Chinese medicine, and meditation. In each episode, I will offer a 10 to 15 minute reflection on one or several of these themes. And my hope is that these reflections will support both your practice and or your teaching of yin yoga and meditation. In this episode, I want to talk to you about yin yoga as being a bitter practice with sweet result. I want to identify some key ways that this bitter sweet experience manifests itself in yin yoga, both on a physical level, a mental emotional level, and also how this experience can affect teachers while teaching a class. So let's get started. So in this lesson, I want to share with you my favorite way of describing yin yoga. That's using this phrase, bitter practice, sweet result. Years back, I was on a meditation retreat with the Thai forest monk Ajahn Amaro. Ajahn Amaro is actually British, but ordained in the lineage of Ajahn Chah from Northeast Thailand. And Ajahn Amaro is now the presiding abbot of a Buddhist monastery in England called Amaravati. But during that retreat, Ajahn Amaro described meditation practice as a bitter practice with sweet result. And as soon as I heard that phrase, I knew immediately that that encapsulated the very essence of practicing and teaching yin yoga. Bitter practice with sweet result speaks to what is so challenging about practicing yin yoga as well as to what's so challenging about teaching it. And in this lesson, I want to look at this theme more closely. Generally speaking, I often get the sense that when students come to a yin yoga class, they want to feel good throughout the class, start to finish, particularly when it's a class that seems on the surface to be gentle and quiet and meditative. And yet, when they come to a yin yoga class, that is not the average person's experience. At some point during the second or third posture of the sequence, newcomers often evince a grimace of distaste and concern. Part of the problem stems from the common misperception that yin yoga is just another form of restorative yoga, and I've tried to clear up that confusion in the lesson Playing the Edge. But in this lesson, I want to focus on what makes yin yoga so challenging, at least initially, when people embark on a journey into yin yoga. On a physical level, there's no escaping that there's a lot of bitterness during a yin yoga practice. In the body, you're asked to tolerate mildly moderate achy sensations that are likely to be outside your thermostat setting for your normal comfort zone. This doesn't mean that every minute of every pose will be defined by bitter sensations, but especially in the beginning, the realization that a lot of the poses aren't exactly comfortable can plant more than just a few seeds of doubt in your mind. Why on earth, you might silently ask yourself, why on earth would I voluntarily subject myself to this type of sensation? Again, as I discussed in the previous lesson, Playing the Edge, 
It's precisely this kind of sensation that accompanies a mild and appropriate level of stress on certain tissues that don't normally get stimulated in active forms of yang exercise. So for students, and for anyone teaching yin yoga, it's really, really important to communicate that this bitter flavor of sensation is not at all a problem. I usually suggest to newcomers that they try to suspend their judgment of the yin yoga practice until after the class is over. It's only after the practice that they will really feel the sweetness that is developed in their bodies. Of course, there will be pockets of sweet sensation coming up during a pose, or even in the rest pose of Shavasana. But the deeper sweetness of being that I'm referring to is usually most noticeable after the practice, where it lingers on for a while. The body might feel lighter and freer, less restricted, unencumbered by aches and discomforts, all signs of sweetness that emerge from the bitterness of gently stressing the denser connective tissues during the yin tissue exercise. Another way of thinking about the physical bitterness of yin yoga is to consider it as a kind of bodywork. When you go to a skilled body worker and describe to them what feels uncomfortable in your body, they will then work on you in a way that doesn't necessarily feel all that comfortable. And you're paying them good money to do that. They will seek out and find the tissues that aren't working well, and they'll endeavor to rehabilitate those tissues with applied force and pressure. But after the session, when those tissues have been freed of their restrictions and dysfunctional holding, you often experience an ease and freedom and lightness in the area. Again, bitter practice, sweet result. But we're not just talking about physical bitterness. As I often suggest, the real challenge of yin yoga isn't physical per se, but more mental. It's on the level of the mind where you will often confront the bitter experience of your reactions to being in the pose. It's in the stillness of the posture that your conditioned likes and dislikes will at times assail you with an undistracted and dogged persistence. You will squirm, you will readjust, you will wriggle, but unless your physical experience escalates into the zone of inappropriate sensation, the general encouragement is to let yourself stay within that slightly bitter experience. Now, common thoughts that frequently accompany this experience, but are certainly not limited to these thoughts, might be these. I really should have taken that vinyasa class at 645. You know, constitutionally, I'm just someone who needs to move more. I don't think this still stuff works for me so well. Or... This teacher, this teacher with all their canned wisdom really needs to stop talking so much and just get us out of the pose. Or, oh my God, when will the time be up? It feels like I've spent half my adult life in this pose already. Or, what's this puddle collecting under my chin on my mat? Oh dear God, did I, am I drooling? Did I fall asleep? I hope I didn't snore. Or, I've really not felt these sensations in any other style of yoga. These sensations can't be good, especially if it comes from compressing and jamming in my lower back. You know, every other teacher I've ever had has said to never let this happen. Okay, so that's just a short list of the myriad reactions people are going to have during a yin yoga practice. But, 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 by intending to be gentle and tolerant to these patterns of mental reactivity that arise during the practice, you might find, as many have, 
that you start to develop a different way of responding to your inner reactivity. In other words, things that might normally trigger you and spark a fire of irritation, these very same things don't seem to agitate you as much after a yin yoga practice. Now, some might be tempted to suggest that the reason is that you've developed a state of calm and equanimity that now buffers or inoculates you from the triggering dynamic. While that's possible and likely part of the equation, I also try to explain it slightly differently myself, suggesting that by tolerating your reactivity, you actually develop more understanding around it, and for periods of time, you might have a less reactive or even non-reactive way of being with those same triggers. Years ago, this process was described succinctly to me by a student. I was teaching at a studio near Fenway Park, the baseball field in Boston, Massachusetts. And the student came up to me after a few yin yoga classes and said this, you know, it's amazing after yin yoga, the drunk Red Sox fans on the subway no longer bother me. I questioned whether the fans' behavior had changed in any kind of demonstrable way, or whether it might be more accurate to simply conclude that after yin yoga, the student was experiencing a sweetness of being that was free for a period of time from her own reactivity to the way things were. Okay, I'll stop there for now, and in subsequent episodes of the Everyday Sublime podcast, I'm going to dive more comprehensively into the physical, energetic, and mental dimensions of a yin approach to yoga and meditation. I look forward to sharing that with you, with insights as always from my practice to yours. If you'd like to follow along with the Everyday Sublime podcast, please subscribe in iTunes. I left a link for that in the show notes for you. Or you can subscribe directly on my site at joshsummers.net forward slash subscribe. Thanks so much for listening today, and I'll see you in the next episode.